In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Throughout the month of October, we have been looking at the parables of Luke. These parables of Luke are some of the best stories in the Bible. If I were to say to you, what is your favorite story about Jesus or the story that Jesus tells? It is likely that you will pick a parable from the Gospel of Luke. Luke weaves these stories, these little nuggets, in order to influence us in positive ways. And today's Gospel lesson is no different. Today's Gospel lesson about an unjust judge and a woman, a widow, who continues to pester him is almost funny. This kind of story about being rewarded for being annoying is something that I think can influence us as well. Now, I'm often asked in Bible studies and other places, is it enough to just be good to get into heaven? Or do you really have to believe all this stuff? It's, a, it's an important question. I think that that's a decent question. Because I do think that if we look at the Gospels collectively, all together, Jesus is far more concerned about us doing the right stuff than believing the right stuff. If we really look at what Jesus says, even statistically, Jesus says, follow me, five times more often than he talks about belief. That following, that doing, is very important to Jesus, maybe the most important thing to Jesus. And when we look at today's gospel lesson, we see that that makes sense. This judge is by no means a paragon of faith and excellence. I mean, he really is a pill, isn't he? He's sitting there intentionally saying that even though I do not fear anybody, I don't really like anybody, I don't really care about God, but this woman is so frustrating that I am simply going to give her what she wants so she will leave me alone. I don't know about you, but that is not exactly the kind of parable that I tend to associate with Jesus. So let's look at the way that we could interpret this. There is the classic way of interpreting this parable where we assign ourselves the role of the widow, right? Jesus even says this is kind of about prayer, right? This is about being persistent, persevering when we do not get the kind of justice we seek in the world. That persistence is epitomized with the widow. We see that the widow is persistent in wanting justice, and I think we all can kind of relate, right? This widow is coming to the judge wanting justice, and we regularly go seeking justice in the world. Perhaps we regularly go to God in prayer or in anger, looking for some kind of righteousness, some kind of justice. We may even go to God begging for something good to happen, perhaps to reverse a diagnosis or to heal a friend, to help us find a new job or to repair a broken relationship. We can find ourselves going to God asking for something important. And perhaps those prayers are not answered the way that we really want those prayers answered. And so we go back and we ask again. And maybe when we hear a parable like the one today, we can rest knowing that the persistence may just pay off in the way that this judge ultimately gives the widow what she wants. Now, that sounds pretty good. And I think that's a perfectly good interpretation. But it sure does make God out 
to not be that great. So what if we flipped the interpretation? What if instead of we being the widow, what if more often than not, we're actually the judge? What if we go about our lives knowing how to do good, knowing the right choice, knowing the just choice, the godly choice, and yet we are the ones who stubbornly resist making that right choice? What if we are the ones who are being pestered by the world to do what is right, and yet we resist? I think we all know what right and wrong. I think we all know what is godly and just. And I think we all succumb to the pressures to simply do what the world wants rather than what God wants. And we succumb in small ways, right? We're not bad. We're not evil. We just sort of don't do that one thing because what God asks us to do is kind of difficult. God is inconvenient. God wants us to do things that are just no fun often. And so we choose the fun. We choose the easy. We choose the popular instead of choosing the godly. What if God then is like the widow, pursuing us and pestering us and annoying us and poking at us and trying to get us to just make that one right choice, to take that one small step, not to radically change everything, but to perhaps pivot just a little and to get on a different path because obviously the judge did not change his whole life or outlook, but the judge did do something right in that moment. And perhaps that one small step mattered in the long run. You see, we can be tempted to do the things that are not right, but God calls to us all the time, calls to us again and again, trying to pull us in the right direction. And God's economy is the kind of economy that may not make worldly sense, but in our soul, we know is right. And we saw an example of this recently. A lot has been written on the end of the trial of Amber Geiger, and I'm not going to go into that, but I do want to note that what happened at the end of that trial, when Botham John's brother Brant got up and spoke words of forgiveness to Amber Geiger, was a moment when one small step was taken toward what I definitely think is godly. When Brant got up there and spoke these words of forgiveness and love to Amber, he did not do so willingly. You could tell all over his face he didn't want to say that stuff, and yet he said it anyway. You could tell he didn't want to forgive the person who killed his brother, but he forgave her anyway. And he probably didn't really want to give her a hug, but he gave her a hug anyway. And why did he do all of those things? Not because the world said he should, because so many people said he shouldn't have. But because God compels us, pesters us, pokes at us, and annoys us to be so gracious, to be forgiving, and to perhaps not even seek worldly justice, but to seek the kind of healing righteousness that Jesus himself epitomizes. If we go back to the gospel, we see that finally acting justly does not make that judge a good guy, 
but it does send him in the right direction. See, this is similar to the point that I made last week about Christianity not simply being an intellectual ascent. We can't just like Jesus. We can't just like the idea of Christianity. We have to actually act on that desire. Until we make an action, the idea of belief is just not true. I think a critical idea for us is that actions shape belief. Our behavior shapes our belief. When we actually do Christianity, then we find out that we have become believers. That doing matters. The doing of what it is that God calls us to do, even if it does not make sense in the world, even if it is complicated, even if others tell us we are wrong, is actually what it means to follow Jesus. Liking Jesus isn't enough. Thinking that Jesus is good isn't enough. We are called to actually become and to do Christianity. Perhaps God is like that widow, pestering us and calling us and needling us, and maybe there are people like me in your life who speak that sort of annoying, needling reminder. But perhaps it's good for us, because like the judge, if we are a little too thoughtless or a little too careless or want life to be a little too easy and comfortable and convenient, we can find that we are not actually doing the work of belief. What is that thing that God has been pestering you to do? What is that one small step that you have been resisting to take? What is it that God wants you to do to pivot your life, to move in a new direction in order to become Christian? For each one of us, that small step will be different. But for each one of us, it will be a truly small step. God's economy is one in which most of what we think about the world doesn't quite make sense. And yet, God calls us to do this walk anyway. Jesus says, follow, pray, do, act. And when we do, we will actually become the transformed followers we hope to be. Amen.